This is Sermon Smith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation. My name is John Chandler. Good to have you back. Or if you're new, welcome to the podcast. Excited not only about today's interview, but some others that I've scheduled to be recorded soon and uh, pass along and share with you. Uh, before we jump in, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this podcast episode, which is a couple of listeners. Uh, I've mentioned a few times patreon.com slash sermonsmith, where you can become a patron of the podcast and pledge an amount per podcast. And since the last episode, I've had a couple people join on. We've had Mike, I'm sorry, I hope I get your last name right, Mike Neglia or Mike Neglia. I'm going to go with Neglia. Thanks for jumping in and pledging, as well as David Griffiths. Both of you, thank you for becoming patrons of the podcast uh, and helping with that. If you'd like to participate in that, it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash sermonsmith. And you just make a pledge for however much you want to pledge per episode of the podcast. We're up to five different listeners who are pledging that now. Thanks so much to all of you. My guest today is Jason Lance. Jason is the pastor, man, I, I got to make sure I get this right, as I'll mention in the podcast. Jason is the pastor of River Tree Christian Church, which is in the Canton area in Ohio. I did get that right. Uh, there were so many times, for reasons you'll hear later, that I thought I was going to mess it up, and I'm so proud of myself because I did not misspeak it once, as far as you know, through the power of editing. No, I really didn't. I really didn't. Jason is a pastor of a multi-site congregation that does a lot of work to also develop other voices within their community. I always appreciate hearing that, not just how people discover their own journey, but they're also how they're helping develop others, which is what I hope we're trying to participate in here with Sermonsmith as well. So thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for joining the podcast. Appreciated talking with you. And for all the rest of you, here is a lovely conversation with Jason. I don't know if I was like classically trained in preaching, so I don't know how all over the place I'm going to be with That's fair. this, That's good. but boy, I'll tell you what, um, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah. Um, so it's really been, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this, uh, such a roller coaster experience of when you get to do the thing that in some ways God made you to do. Yeah, you're exhausted and yeah, there's a job work element to it but boy you just feel alive you know and it's so rewarding and uh, I, I feel closer to god when i'm doing that yeah so and when i'm not um maybe the first couple of days where i'm not i feel the sense of like oh good you know i get a break but <laughs> if i go too long with that there is this thing where you just you're like well i was made to do that so you know where's my next opportunity I, I hear you, because I'm preaching this weekend for the first time in a couple of weeks, and I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, you're ready. <laughs> yeah, especially because the last—when when you do feel that much joy and pleasure around it, you also feel more ache about it when you feel like one doesn't connect quite as much or whatever. And that that was my last experience, just listening back to it and going, ah, oh, man, I wasn't quite as connected that day or— what I had to say was great, but it didn't come out the way I expected or hoped it to. So then you got to sit with that for like two or three weeks until you get another another go. So that's where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I try not to have too many highs or lows based on response either because there's times where I've come home and, you know, my wife said, so how'd it go? You know, and I thought it was just like out of the park, great. And there didn't really seem to be at least any outward responsiveness from the people that heard it. Yeah. Whereas just the opposite is true sometimes too, where, you know, you'll think, uh, eh, that was just okay. And, you know, God somehow used that to really impact someone at a really deep level. And so, you know, I think either way, part of the process of preaching for me has been my learning how to recover well. Um, you know, try to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say through me. Uh, try to do the hard work of study, but also just kind of letting the outcome go. <laughs> yeah. um, either way, you know, not to get too self-conscious about it and not to get too prideful about it either. Sure. Well, see, I told you I'm, I told you I was going to start recording and see this is going in i mean we haven't even officially started but everything you just said oh, that's no, going this in. Is on there. <laughs> we're on we're in that's the intro <laughs> okay what's well, your yeah. thing you're on the books 
<laughs> Great. Um, but well, let's let's move into it because there's some stuff there that I I assume we'll circle back to as well. But okay. uh, just to frame some of this, tell us about River Tree. Tell us about the context where you preach, where you do the ministry you do. Yeah. So um, uh, I am the officially the vision leader of River Tree Christian Church. It's in Stark County, uh, Canton, Ohio. Northeast Ohio. Um, River Tree was my first job right out of undergrad. Uh, I was a student pastor, and really my experience getting to learn to preach was um, that I just got thrown in to do it. Um, of course, I was speaking to students all the time, but you know, on the holidays uh, when the main guys didn't want to do it, you know, I was the phone call, and <laughs> uh, and that was great, you know. So I got to preach. Uh, to a, the larger room that wasn't students. And uh, so just had a great experience uh, getting great feedback from the people that gave me a shot. And, uh, you know, looking back, I, I hated it at the time, but really appreciated that as well. So was at River Tree for about seven years. And then my wife and I planted a church uh, about 20 minutes away in downtown Canton, which is more of a kind of city urban context. And so the method of preaching uh, completely changed, you know, kind of threw me off a bit, but it was a great hmm. learning experience, learning context. And, you know, you always got to think about who you're talking to and how what you're saying relates to them and how and how you say it relates as well. You know, the, the different values. Um, and then uh, the irony of the whole thing is that I'm back um, at the church I started at, but now as the the overall leader and there's multiple campuses at river tree that are all in the same County, um, Stark County, but there's seven of them and every context is so different. So you have some really suburban contexts. You have some pretty urban ones, um, some, some rural small town, you know, uh, context. So, uh, right now we have, uh, our pastors, they preach almost every weekend um, at their locations, uh, I preach at the the original site most, and then I get a chance to go around to the different churches and you know speak a word of encouragement or sermon or whatever they would need. And so the the whole process of learning to share different things based on context is something I've had to learn a lot in the last couple of years. I bet. Well, this will be fun then. <laughs> I don't know if I got it down. So right, right, right. Well, let, let me. So you even talked about when you went from River Tree to trying to plant a church in the urban, and the method changed. And I assume you don't just mean because you were going from students to an urban, you know, suburban students to an urban mentality, but you're even talking about the change from the adults. So how did you, how did you discover that you needed to change? Did you figure? Did you, was a trial and error? Or did you? You know, it was a. It was a great experience, um, but it it did throw me off. You know, when we were, when I was at the original site at River Tree and I was learning to speak, you know, it's very suburban and not always, but in general, you know, good news to a lot of folks that were living in a, uh, you know, maybe upper middle class suburban environment. Good news to them was to kind of get out of their context and go serve or help somebody that was in that was poor or in a different area of town, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, then we would talk about those folks that needed help, and we would serve those people and help those people. And well, when we planted the church, you know, those people were like our friends <laughs> and our family, and a lot of the, you know, so when I would preach at uh, Love Canton, you know, I would be looking at um, the very people that were like a sermon illustration a year before. Right. And I'm not going to tell a sermon illustration about somebody that's looking right at me. I mean, that kind of violates that friendship, you know? So all of a sudden, just, just being in the middle of um, a whole set of people that you know, used to be kind of that far away and, and over the church planning process, just so relational. You just become friends with so many different people. And, um, and so it really challenged me to think about, well, you know, what is the message that unites so many people from so many different socioeconomic backgrounds and uh, walks of life and, and 
ethnicities and I mean it was just all so different you know and it was very good in that I felt like I had to in some ways really get back to the gospel and um, and see how that cuts through so many cultures and do you, so as your <laughs> well I'll ask this question in this way um, okay. so now you've got this team of preachers <laughs> How closely are all of the preachers within River Tree working together? Is everybody preaching on the same thing, and is there collaboration? Yeah, well, you know, it's a work in progress. Uh, first of all, River Tree started doing multi-siting probably 11 years ago. Uh, and while I wasn't always officially on staff there, uh, I've always been kind of in great relationship with the leadership there. And so it's been an evolution of... I would say centralized at first, which meant the you know it was the main guy on a video to all the yeah. different sites. But over time, you know, it became more and more and more decentralized down the scale, um, where we just found out that you know for the most part, especially when the context becomes really different, um, I think that most people want to hear their person, their guy or their girl, right, that knows them and and yeah. walks with them and is one of them who's walking with Jesus in their word the best they can, sharing a relevant, timely message with their friends. And so we've really evolved over the last 11 years to the place where we have a setup now where we look at the year and we label sermon series, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, as either autonomous, blended, collaborative, or standalone and the autonomous messages are really that message of, hey, you're the pastor to your people, so you tell me what your title and, and text and series is going to be. And they're accountable. You know, they don't just – like if the whole team said that's a horrible idea, they would submit to that. But sure. for the most part, that's autonomous, and, and we really want to empower our pastors to do that. The blended ones are similar, but we all preach on the same theme. So, if example, for example, in February, you know, we're we're going to do a stewardship, you know, couple of weeks where we talk about finances and stewarding finances and stuff like that. And so, uh, on that blended series, um, as long as the pastors choose something around, you know, Jesus teaching or the New Testament teaching on steward financial stewardship. It doesn't matter. There's there's lots of different texts that they can choose. It doesn't really matter um, to me what they call it, um, that sort of thing. But then collaborative is where we this value of being a part of a bigger team or a bigger thing really matters, and that's where we say we want to preach on. We want to have it the same title, the same text, the same series. You know, we're going to do the same thing. And so we just kind of look at the year and we plot out where's the best places to be autonomous, blended, and collaborative. And, you know, it's kind of a newer system, uh, but so far so good. And I think the key in all of that is that the whole team has a willingness to submit to each other. So really what you get are um, you get a lot of chance to let the Holy Spirit tell you uh, what he wants you to say <laughs> to your people and at the same time, you know, you're submissive to a really a great team of teachers that are all wired differently and have different perspectives. What is, uh, what would you say is the breakdown between autonomous, blended and contemporary, no, not contemporary, collaborative? <laughs> yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it really leans heavier on the autonomous and the blended. I'd say there's probably uh, two or three uh, sections of the year, maybe two or three chunks of four to six weeks where we do collaborative and the rest of the year is autonomous or blended. Gotcha. Yeah. And so when you're talking about the team, is this, is this all of the different campus pastors, campus preachers, whatever you, what do you call them? I'll get it right yep. here. So this is the, all the different campus pastors. Okay. Uh, so they come together. together. How often yep. does that happen? Uh, we come together uh, every couple of weeks about twice a month, uh, officially. And then, um, we have a great team of people whose whole role is to just empower them and do our best to help them carry out their vision. So, uh, informally we're getting around to the different sites to check in as well. Yeah. All right. And so uh, th those are the ones who are just sitting around and talking this out and, 
so yeah. it's part and then they have teams you know and they you know they have people on their staffs as well that they're trying to equip and empower to be uh, great preachers and teachers so hopefully we're building a culture where um you know we're we're constantly sending out people that have kind of learned by doing it you know and had somebody giving them feedback and that's what we're trying to create yeah yeah i get excited about that cuz that's been one of my one of my aches about not just the move towards megachurches in the last, you know, couple decades, but even the move towards multi-site is there were there were really fewer and fewer opportunities for people to do what you did, which is kind of get thrown in and learn how to preach uh, and have the experience. And in some ways, I feel like that's one of the most needed, uh, you know, is being passionate about church planning myself. You know, there's just got to be opportunities to give people space to jump in and learn and experience it and be critiqued. And, uh, so I, I love what you're doing there. Well, it's definitely, uh, I, I, you know, on the bad days, I feel like a more controlled or centralized approach would be easier. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely messy and I can see why maybe even in some situations that might be better, you know, but, um, so, so it really is hard, especially, you know, everybody's not the same. And every context is not the same. So I really think there has to be a commitment to each other to really be in covenant with each other. Um, and so, you know, we we really try to work on that. And my role as the leader needs to also be like, look, there's times where I got to be a little more direct. And there's times where I got to just shut my mouth. And it's a better thing if we take a little longer. <laughs> but everybody gets a voice in, in collaborating. So from a, this will be the most theater, theoretical question of the day, but okay. <laughs> within all of that, what would you say is the role of preaching in the life of River Tree? Yeah. Um, well, we have uh, our main vehicles for what we're trying to do are the weekend gatherings. Uh, we really try to make disciples through missional communities. And so those are bigger than small groups. Uh, we try to go to the biblical oikos size, about 20, 30, 40 people. And then see the life of discipleship lived out in those. That's one of our primary vehicles. And then, um, so we so we want those to work together. So basically, we feel that the public space where we do most of our preaching should be uh, about inspiration first, uh, and clear vision, um, and a clear teaching of the gospel, so that people can hear how the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus attaches to whatever we're talking about. And I think that's something that we're all trying to, to get better at doing um, is try to inspire in that space, try to cast clear vision for living life as disciples of Jesus and really try to whatever we're preaching, whether it's starting, you know, in, in an old Testament story and, and moving forward to how it connects to the gospel, or if we're starting in the new Testament, um, I gave the example of stewardship. You know, if we're teaching through Second Corinthians eight and nine about about uh, finances and generosity and things like that, it's got to connect back to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I think you know, if we had to really simple it down and say what's the core thing, is we just want to do our best to clearly share the gospel, what he did, and the implications of that for anybody in the room, whether they're there for the first time. Uh, or whether they've been there for a long time. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't know if we do that well or great, but we're trying. Yeah. yeah. And so, so what you just talked through, I mean, how many how many campuses are there now? Are there seven that I see on the website? There's, there's seven, yeah. There's seven. So I, I assume you at least have seven primary preachers and then others that are being developed as someone new is kind of being worked into the rotation. Is that come? Is that something you work with them on, or does that come on the campus pastor for that location? Kind of raises that person up and walks alongside them. Uh, yeah, it's probably a mix of both. I'd say each campus has, you know, maybe two or three or four, you know, teachers in their rotation. Clearly, that the the one of the roles of the campus pastor is that they're the primary preacher. You know, so they'll get most of the reps, I guess. Yeah. Um, but for sure, you know, we want them to. We don't want the whole thing to be based on one person. So, yes, they have, like, complimentary teachers that are speaking maybe once a month or once every six weeks. Um, and then, for sure, if we have somebody that's, like, a church planter in residence or something like that, I mean, 
that's the way I learned, I guess. So I'm biased, but I think the best right. way to learn is to do it. So <laughs> maybe I mean, they get the phone call on 4th of July, you know, when nobody else wants to be there. Right. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm preaching at my friend's church on a new year's day this year. So. <laughs> I know how that goes. Um, so is the so the reason I asked that is this what you just articulated a couple minutes ago just for the role of preaching to be you know inspirational and a, a clear teaching of the gospel is that something that every time somebody new is coming into the rotation or when you're evaluating somebody who has been preaching are there p- specific touch points within that that you hearken back to as far as well how clear was the gospel in this or how inspirational was it like is that your passion or is that what you're trying to create in the overall culture of the church's preaching? Uh, well, so first of all, I would say, you know, of course that is my passion, but uh, sure. know, yeah, yeah. I think that all of the all of the pastors, they all have different stories, but what I love about all of them is that, in my opinion, they have it. And that is, you know, they've had a transformative experience with Jesus that is real and growing and not perfect and all different, of course, but it's a real thing. You know, it's not just a head thing. It's it's an experiential life with God, and uh, and I look for that. You know, like I think that mo- when I say inspirational, my opinion is that most people want to interact with somebody that is doing their best authentically to have a great relationship with Jesus, whether it's somebody that's preaching or even somebody that's serving you know, or teaching a class or a Bible study or a Sunday school class or whatever it is, um, when it's authentic and real and something that doesn't just get segmented into an hour on a weekend, but really is their life. Um, that's the kind of person that I would want to listen to, you know, uh, informa- information's free. So I could listen to any preacher online or whatever. Right. Um, and so I think that, I think the more that technology changes how people can access information, I think they're going to be looking more and more for that authenticity and that experience with Jesus and who they're listening to and who they want to be around. Um, and the other thing I think is important with that we try to talk about with each of our pastors is that um, I want them to share when they're preaching their own illustrations from their own life, walking with God. You know, So if they're preaching about... Um, serving the least of these, you know, um, I want them to be able to share something that has, is happening in their life as an illustration about preaching that text. Um, not just something they found online. It's not wrong to find a good story here or there, but if there's never any real story from their life, I would say, boy, are you living this out or not? You know? So, yeah. So I think the two go hand in hand and, um, you know, so you want to have a healthy dose of being in the Bible and studying, but I'd also say there's got to be a real life that someone's living and they're sharing the ups and downs of that and what they're learning along the way. And they're simply calling the rest of the church to follow them as they follow Jesus. Well, and that's where that local preaching is really helpful, right? Because you've got people who live in the same community, the same neighborhoods, who are talking about how they live it out in a way that's it's just going to make more sense. And if somebody's listening to their favorite preacher who lives 3,000 miles away, right. you know what I mean? They they don't, let alone video venue aside, even even just like you talk about being online and we have access to all the information. I mean, people, I have people in my church community. And I know that there are, this is probably common everywhere. They love to listen to such and such preacher here or such and such preacher there. <laughs> right, right. And ha- which, I, I, you know. I don't mind that uh, at all because they're hearing some good stuff. But mm-hmm. the ability to have somebody articulate, this is how I am trying to live this out in a way that you can see firsthand and understand because it's clear in our time and our place. Again, it matters. I think that matters a lot. Right on. Yeah. One yeah. of the phrases that I learned from really the leaders before me, I thought they did a great job of explaining this. They said, um, you know, like God came to be one of us. Um, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. And so there's a difference between being with somebody like in an hour a week or just driving in or driving out or whatever it is and really being one of. That means you live a life with somebody, 
you know, you your kids go to the same schools they do. You, you shop at the same grocery store they go to. You, you know, you're in a relationship that's not just one hour a week at an event. And so one of the requirements that we would have of any campus pastor is that they would be one of the community that they are the pastor in. They're not driving in and driving out. Right. Um, and some people might think, well, that's a little extreme. But what we found is like truly that's the difference. That's the difference maker. Um, in, even in preaching, because you could have a great preacher that is preaching the gospel. And like you said, there's some, there's so many good preachers, you know, and you could hear a great message about Jesus. But I think a lot of folks don't want to just hear a great message about Jesus. They want then to talk to somebody that they know that can help them live that out that week. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are outlining what are going to be collaborative sermons— uh-huh. How do you find the balance between, uh, and I'm even really talking about you personally here, like how do you find the balance between this, you as the vision leader for the church just feel the need to, we need to take this to all seven of our campuses and here's the message that needs to be communicated and still allow for, and it, so I'm not even just talking about like giving them space to do the autonomous or the, oh man, I can't remember the B already. Uh, uh, blended. blended, thank you. <laughs> um but when you're talking about the collaborative where it's the same title, same text, uh, is it even getting down to like to, to what degree would you say that you're the one who's writing that sermon and then giving them some space to personalize it versus is that everybody sits in that room and kind of writes that sermon together? Um, you know, I don't we, we've never really written a sermon together, I think. Um, so even in that, when I say collaborative, it's we decided that we're going to call it this title. And we're going to preach on this text, whether it's, you know, the same 10 verses or whatever about this general theme. But even after that, um, I've never really been a fan of telling somebody what to preach after that. Of course, we'll give feedback, you know. So we have, I'd say, strong enough relationships where there's constant feedback during the week. So, uh, for example, last last week on a Wednesday, uh, one of the campus pastors called me and said, hey, you know, um, would love to chat with you about what I have for my sermon. You know, so I saw it on Google Docs and we talked on the phone for a bit and and I gave him some feedback about where he was at and and then he went and worked on it some more and you know, I saw him, I just saw him and I said, you know, I got some then hey how to go and and all of our sermons are online and so I think the practice of being in relationship with other people that are going to both give feedback on the front end and then accountability on the back end um it's kind of nerve wracking, you know, uh, sure. at the same time, it's really, really good. Um, when I was, when I was learning to preach at river tree, one of the things I hated at the time, but was so good for me, um, at the main campus, and there's probably close to 2000 people that go to that one. Um, they would have, they would have us run through the whole service ahead of time with nobody in the room. And so I would preach the whole message with these two guys sitting in the, sitting there with a notepad, listening to it. And, you know, I would have to sit down with them afterwards and they would give me feedback. And to be honest with you, John, I, I hated that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> it felt awkward, you know, and 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 I knew they were going to be honest with me. Like, hey, that you could have told that story in, you know, half the time you did. Or, um, or hey, your, your transition out of that story into the point I think you wanted to make, it wasn't very clear. What if you said this instead? Or, or hey, dude, that was way too long you're going to have to cut this thing out or, or whatever. Um, I didn't like it at the same time. Honestly, it was the best thing for me there, you know, because it made the sermon better. And so even now I get to do that with uh, some of our pastors and, um, I don't know, I guess I'm just trying to say the relationship matters. Yeah. So when did, when did that, uh, practice service happen early on Sunday or on Saturday? Well, we have a Saturday service. And so it's kind of a, about an hour and a half before the Saturday service. And, um, and it used to be that they would do that to kind of record. Remember I said that we used to send the video out to to record, but actually it's become a great way to prayerfully run through what we're going to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I think with anything you do, repetition's good. So, of course, we pray ahead of time and, and are working on it. We just want the Holy Spirit to let it flow. When you know, if He brings up something He wants us to say that wasn't in the script, we'll do it. I'm not saying we don't do that, but 
I think when you have repetition and you have accountability and people helping you with it, it's always better. Yeah, I'm reminded of interviewing. I, I assume you know Mike Baker or know of Mike Baker. He can't be too far away from you, is he? Uh, where Where is he? What church? He's, uh, Eastview Christian in Bloomington, hmm. uh, Illinois. Oh, Illinois. That's kind of a ways. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> I'm reminded of when I interviewed him. Um, he talked about, and for some reason, I don't know if he said this, but for some reason I'm picturing it was dark, but he talks about how he goes to the church. They don't have a Saturday service, but he goes to the church every Saturday night and preaches in the sanctuary, just mm -hmm. the empty room. Yeah. And I, I'm picturing him in the dark sanctuary. I don't know that he actually said that, but <laughs> uh, that that feels a lot less nerve wracking to me than having two guys sitting there in front of you taking notes. <laughs> yeah. I, well, when we did the church plant, I would do something similar. Um, I'm an extrovert, so just talking makes it more clear for me, you know. Right. So, um, and you're right. It was always better when there was nobody around. Uh, <laughs> I didn't well, have to feel like I had to be on my toes. Sure, sure. Well, let's 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 go into where you were just going there then, and let's talk a little more practically just for you sure. in particular about how you put your sermons together, uh, you know, and so obviously you've got some scheduling of what sermons are coming up. How often are you preaching personally? Um, probably out of probably three or four out of five weeks right now. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, I have on the schedule, I probably have about seven weekends off next year. Yeah. Okay. So... Pretty much a, a almost weekly basis, so there's a pretty steady rhythm. So why don't you just take us through, you know, maybe from beginning to Sunday or well, Saturday night, what that process of putting a sermon together looks like for you? Sure. Well, first of all, you know, I I I know that in the practical day to day stuff of ministry, I mean, there's just some weeks where you don't get started until that week. But I and I and I wish that I, I'm just being real. I mean, sometimes you just don't get started till Tuesday, you know. Um, but I am, I feel like I'm always at my best when maybe two, maybe even three weeks out, I've at least you know prayed through or thought through or read through it the text that I'm going to use or the theme that I'm going to use, so that I'm thinking about it a lot um, going into that week. Or I've done a lot of research going into that week. So let's say two weeks out, uh, I really like to do a lot of the information grabbing um, uh, around a certain text or a certain theme, uh, whether it's reading commentaries or looking stuff up online uh, or doing word studies. And, you know, you want to get just lots and lots of information. Um, I, I've also learned that, like, the, the further out, the better, because, like, you know, the Holy Spirit, he can speak through anything. So he's speaking through parties you go to and people you talk to and stuff you've read and TV shows you've watched. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, in, in general, I'm always tr trying to keep a, a log or a folder or bucket or whatever you want to say of illustrations that connect and things that maybe God brought up that, that really connect to the text or the study. So by the time I get to, to you know, Mondays are my day off. Um, Tuesday, uh, I really want to kind of take all of that information from the previous week and really kind of um, at least get down the, the clear direction. Uh, and the way that I'm wired, I, you know, I, I don't, I like waiting to the last minute I, and I got to be disciplined to do this stuff. So um, the way I'm wired, I, I really try to get down the specific direction on Tuesday from all that information. Um, and when you say direction, you mean an outline or just like your thesis, so to speak? I'd say the general thesis yeah. and the main maybe three or four chunks of scripture that I'm going to connect everything to. Um, and then, you know, Wednesdays are pretty busy uh, meeting wise at our church. Um, Thursdays, I'll take a half a day a couple hours and kind of take that to the next level um, of maybe a two page written out in chunks, you know, so uh, usually I'll have uh, scriptures I put in blue font or blue color. Uh, illustrations or stories are in green. Prescriptive statements uh, are in red and transitionary statements are in black. <laughs> and so I try to get that down on by Thursday night. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I don't always do this perfect. So if I'm really being real with you, sometimes that's Friday morning. 
Uh, and then I try to leave. That's allowable. Morning. Friday morning. <laughs> you still have 36 hours or, you know, <laughs> well, and, and it really is like what I'm learning about myself. I, you know, I learned, I learned to preach from people that were maybe wired differently than me. And that was really good for me because I, I, it taught me the discipline, you know, to really write out everything and memorize yeah. it. Um, but when I'm really being myself, truly, uh, I like to give as much, um, much time as possible before I have to commit, you know? So, <laughs> so if I get a little bit down Tuesday, um, if I get everything down in those colors on Thursday, uh, then Friday is when I try to take my largest chunk of time and put everything into about a two page. Um, it's a little longer than an outline, but two pages. And the thing that I'm really focusing on is prayerfully reading through it over and over again um, and I'm an extrovert. So in some ways it's like how I'm extroverting by myself, you know? So I'm looking through it over and over and over again. And it's, I try to make it prayerful and I just ask God to show me like, to show me where he really wants me to emphasize things. And the, and you know, I'm not great at this, but the more I get to know God, he does that, you know, he'll like really spark something in me when I'm reading through it over and over again. And, um, and then, Friday or Saturday mornings, uh, usually my kids have ball games or things like that. Um, but I try to get, and we our Saturday night services, uh, at five o'clock. So I try to get to the church, uh, around maybe one o'clock, one thirty, on Saturday. And then I have time from about one thirty to three. That's kind of my time by myself. That's the run through before the run through. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's where I'm really honing it down. That's where I'm sending my scriptures and pictures and things like that to the guy that does our, our slides and our media stuff. Um, and then the rest of the team, the worship teams and media teams, they all come in probably around three 30 or so three fifteen, And we get all that kind of lined up. So then we do the run through. That's where I told Joey preach and someone's listened to it. And then we yeah. do the thing. So what, what percentage do you think changes between the run through and the five o'clock service? Um, well, I would say it's always, <laughs> the guys I work with, they would say it's always longer. <laughs> um, and in, I think, in the run through? Oh, uh, no, no. Oh, in the five. The real <laughs> thing's always longer. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's because, um, when I when we go through the run through, I truly am just like reading it because when it's time to actually preach the sermon, I really try hard to almost not look at it at all, you know, to just it's just in there. That's when you extrovert it. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and I would say if it's not in there by then, it's not like it's bad or anything. But you know how when someone's talking to you and they're reading off a page and right. someone's talking to you and they're just talking. And that's where I was sharing with you the inspiration part and the authenticity part. You know, I just want to do my best to share. So, um, so often, you know, by the time you get to Saturday, Sunday, um, I may look back at the notes once, you know, once or twice just to find my place, but it's usually in there by then. Yeah. Well, let me, let me backtrack through that whole process then mm -hmm. and pick through some of those pieces. First of all, you talked about the gathering of information, mm -hmm. uh, regarding the text and you, I mean, you, it sounds like you go to multiple different sources. Do you tend to start with commentaries and then Google or it, does it depend on the passage? Like how, what, what do you want to do in order to get something to get some sense of meaning or direction out of the text? Yeah. You know, I, I do my best to probably start with a, a commentary or a word study um, just to make sure that I have, you know, down what was the original meaning, you know, when it was written down, what was the original meaning to the original people, you know, um, and just to make sure that I'm not setting something down as kind of the foundation that's kind of weird, you know, or, or really on an edge as far as uh, something that's obscure. Um, I don't I don't want to just stand up there and teach vague opinions, you know, so I'm really trying through through commentaries, I would say, to just say, what is this sound, what I'm saying? You know, has this been tested over time? Do most theologians basically um, live within this thing that I'm going to say? Uh, and then I will. I'll go to, to Google or uh, various books on themes or topics. There's just so much good information out there after that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no shortage of being able to reach out and find things, right? <laughs> are you a, are you a Bible software guy or do you have a big wall of commentaries and books that you refer to? <laughs> you know, uh, I do have kind of the wall of books and commentaries, uh, and really just, it's not real flashy, but the, the NIV commentaries, um, I'm looking all, at them all right now in my office. They're all sitting here, and um, I like them because they're middle of the road. You know, I think they're talking the application out. commentaries. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are the ones I use most often, but um, you know, I'm not afraid to use other things too. But uh, that that really is kind of the the main one I go to. Yeah, especially I found those helpful when I do. Uh, have somebody else from our church community preaching. We've had a number of lay people preach and we, we never use that term, but it works here. And uh, I find that that one seems to be the most helpful for them most of the time, because there's some level of unpacking of the text, but that, you know, there's also a lot of effort to make it practical too. Right. Right. So it does some of the accessibility work for them out of the, out of the gate. Yeah. You know, something else I've learned about, myself, just the self-awareness piece is that, um, I really tend to hone in on specific words or phrases. Um, and for whatever reason I attach to them, you know, so if some people are just like crazy gifted by God to go super, super deep into a text, um, I think I tend to try to connect various texts together around the same word or theme, if that makes sense. Sure. Not always, but Usually, you know, if you probably listen to 10 sermons, there's the, that you'll get that. Um, and I've learned over time, that's just kind of whatever reason, the way God uniquely works in me. Um, and once again, like, so when I'm talking to the other pastors, I, I'm, I'm always asking them that, you know, uniquely to the way the Holy Spirit has gifted you, you know, when you're on, when God's really using you, what happens? What's it look like? And, you know, I, I want them to learn to be themselves and also obedient to what God's saying. Yeah. So once you do all that text gathering mm -hmm. and you have that emerge through the Holy Spirit and personality, I think those work together pretty much in conjunction and you're getting to Tuesday, mm -hmm. you know, are, are you, are you just seeing the particular themes that are in a text and looking for the one that really sticks with you the most as you, or is it, Oh, is it once you've done that information gathering and now you're out at a party or watching a TV show and you're finding day-to-day -day life stuff starts to connect and then that's where you start to really put the theme together? Um, I'd say yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was, that was a either or. <laughs> and I mean, it turned it into a bull man. I guess it depends on the week. I mean, it, it would be great if like I, – I think there is kind of a word or a theme, yes, on Tuesday. That When I say direction, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. If I read through, you know, eight verses, what is the phrase or the word or the theme that just for whatever reason jumps out, you know, and, and that's the one that I want to meditate on the next two days, the next three days, wherever I am, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm seeing how it attaches. I'm seeing how it comes to life. Um, and that usually generates quite a bit of illustrations, you know, story and things like that. How are you? I know I got we got a late start. My fault. How are you doing on time? I got a couple more questions, but I can yeah, I pace have a, it. Uh, a good maybe uh, ten minutes. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to pace it out. So. Yeah. I, I say that as if I really know how to pace it out. I, I just <laughs> it'll, it'll have to be an abrupt stop. But um, do you find that you have this? This is the theme. If you go back, you said you were going to try to go back and listen to some of these. So. If you do, great. If you don't, that's okay. But okay. one of the theme questions that has just come up for me, it's my own little personal, um, it's become my little passion project, I guess, which is, man, I'm, I'm really intrigued by how sermons actually come together, like how the actual structure and outline gets formed, you know, because you've got the classic three-point outline and you've got different books that have outlined different, like the homiletical plots come up a few times. What Do you have like a go-to order structure outline that your sermon starts to fall into that you could name, or do you just see the pieces start to come to come into place? Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of, I would say a lot of teachers and preachers have probably a much more detailed and robust one than I do, but I would say 
I try to let the plane take off um, with some sort of illustration or phrase or whatever that really connects with people. Then I try so, – so, you know, like I said, when I'm studying, I'm looking for the word of the theme, right? And so I want to take the plane off by getting people right into a narrative or a story. I want them to, I want them to be in it before they even know they're in it. Um, and then the meat of the, the meat of the sermon is really just uh, unpacking that one word or that one theme the best that I can. And of course, connecting it to the gospel and how, and how it, it, it's, you know, part of the implication of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and then land the plane, you know, and land the plane by always kind of asking, so what, you know, so I want to inspire people with real story from my life and how to live this out. But I, I'm always doing my best to kind of turn, turn it back to the people that are listening and not necessarily give, you know, antidotes of like, here's three things that will help you do this. Sure. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I found over time, especially in public space, is that if you just simply ask the question, how this relates to them, you know? So, um, if I'm, if I'm preaching about, um, uh, say authentic community, like the first Christians had because of Jesus, you know, koinonia, and I describe what that is, and I'm preaching through that text, what I really want to do is illustrate it in my own life and then turn it towards everybody else and say, so what does this look like in your life right now? At school, at home, in your family? Where's the place where you're experiencing this? And I'll ask that question and just let it sit there. I think God does the rest, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I don't know, that's just, I, I could be wrong, but my opinion is I try to do that probably two or three times in uh, 25 minutes to a half hour of speaking. Um, and throughout that, I'm giving examples from my own life of how I'm doing it. Hmm. And is it, it what what does this look like in your life right now? Or is it what could this look like in your life right now? Like, are you trying to give them space to imagine it or trying to get them to call out how it's already happening? Um, I'd say both. You know, yeah. everybody's in a different spot. So Uh, But what I found over time is so cool. This is like the Holy Spirit is already working in people's lives, you know. And so I, I, what I'm learning to do is have more and more confidence that when he gives me the word on Tuesday, that he already has in his mind who's going to be hearing this and what he's doing in in their life already. And, you know, so it's kind of exciting because you're like, okay, Lord, you're already working and I'm just going to join you in what you're already doing in the lives of whoever's going to hear this. And so sometimes it is just an encouraging word for, you know, good job. You know, somebody's already doing this. And sometimes it's really helping someone maybe wake up a little bit and hear something where they're like, boy, I never thought of that before. So I'd probably say I'm more of an exhortive preacher yeah, um, than an instructional one. Sure. I get that. I've, I've heard that in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why, by the way, you know, the other guy that – preaches at the main campus with me. He's actually an incredible instructional preacher mm. teacher. So I think that when you have a team approach, you're going to hear the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you allow that to happen, you know, the different ones. It's not always the evangelist or it's not always the guy that's exhortation. It's not always just the straight teacher. I think they're all important. And, you know, the more people get to see that and hear that, the more they experience, you know, the fullness of of what Jesus wants us to have. It's good for your ego too, because somebody's going to connect with <laughs> somebody's going to connect with that other style more than they connect with yours, and they're going to say, "I love it when so and so preaches." Right? And anyway, God okay, knows I have a big ego, so that's a good, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> I wasn't referring to your ego. I just know that's true for me. Like, oh yeah, it is. It is. Um, well, you you mentioned early on. I might even have this in the recorded part, but you mentioned that you know you aren't a classically trained preacher, and certainly it sounds like you've learned along the way by trial and error. It sounds like it sounds like you've learned along the way by people coming alongside you and giving you critique. Um, but are there other are there other resources, uh, particularly books? But are there other resources that have really helped shape you and think about to how you think about preaching and how you actually do preaching? Hmm. You know, to be honest, there's not really any specific one that's come into mind. Um, I just, 
to honestly, in my unique story, God has just put in my life incredible people that just happen to be great leaders or preachers or communicators. And, and they're all different. So I think truly one of the reasons that I am the way I am is because that's what I received. So, yeah, yeah. fair. We'll take it. <laughs> and then one last, I, I like to get nerdy sometimes. Sometimes I do this more in the middle, but you talked a lot about your document and you talked a lot about, you know, capturing all of these ideas that come to you related to an upcoming text. How do you capture those? Where do you store them so that you don't lose them? Yeah. So, you know, on my computer, I have uh, uh, just a folder that says teach and, uh, and I'll just, they're all sitting in there and they all have a different one and, um, bunch of word documents, you mean a bunch of word documents. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, now that we're all working together as a team, you know, we're trying to utilize things like, uh, base camp and, mm-hmm. and other things that kind of connect us all together. That'll link in Google docs and things like that. So, um, so really what we're trying to create is this like awesome library of resources and things that have happened before. And, you know, if some guys used a good thing before, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow it. So, <laughs> well, Jason, uh, I appreciate your, I appreciate your time. I, I, I want to claim a personal victory here. Cause I told you before we started that I was afraid I would call you Jimmy because I used to have a student <laughs> named Jimmy Lance instead of Jason Lance. And I think I didn't do this, but in Austin, there's a church called Riverbend, and oh. I th- I don't think I ever said Riverbend. I think I always <laughs> called your church River Tree. So, well, I have a friend who's always uh, making fun of our church, and he calls it River Bottom. So you didn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds John, like was, a Tolkien character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John, really, thanks for this opportunity. It was um, it was really just good to talk with you, and I appreciate all that you're doing with this. It's really yeah, cool. thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can spread the word by sharing Sermon Smith on Twitter, Facebook, social media of your choice. And, of course, if you go to iTunes and rate the podcast, that actually helps. That helps other people find the podcast because based on those ratings, uh, iTunes tends to bump up podcasts either in results or, or however that works. I just know from all my podcasting friends, those ratings are helpful, helpful, helpful. So you can drop in there. Uh, and say nice things and say fair, honest evaluation if you got that too there in iTunes. Thanks for listening, friends.